0: Good morning. Good morning. This is the day the Lord has made. Let
1: us rejoice in and
0: be glad. It's a beautiful day. We're glad you're here with us. And as we uh, begin our worship today, I wish to take a moment to reflect on this coming week, which we, through the entire week, remember our veterans. Uh, opportunity uh, each day, I know, in our area where veterans would be honored. I am actually going to be involved in three of those veteran services as we say thank you and want this morning to be able to say thank you to those of you who are veterans who are in attendance this morning. And So I would like to recognize you and ask if you would to please stand. All our veterans. And we say, indeed, thank you for your service. And I hope that you'll be able to make one of the special Veterans Day services this week, as we continue to say thank you. This is a very special Sunday for just being together as God's people, but also because the service today is going to be led by our own Jeff Faljean. This is part of a component of worship that he is completing for the Board of Ordained Ministry as he seeks to go before them next year. Uh, as he follows his call to the order of deacon. And so we give the service over to him today to be able to uh, uh, lead in worship. It's being videoed, so if you don't want to be videoed, just uh, close your eyes. (laughs) uh, But to to do that, to be able to show to the board how he conducts a a worship service. Uh, I've known Jeff for 25 years. I have seen him grow in his faith. I have seen him grow in his call to ministry it is such a marvelous thing for me to be able to be a part of this as we give him our prayers our good thoughts and support as he follows his call to ministry and as he seeks to be uh, a deacon in the united methodist church so it's a pleasure to be able to have him lead our service today at this time i would like to invite linda mengus come forward to share about a special membership opportunity
2: Good good morning My name is Linda Mingus, and I am the chair of Membership Care. Over a year ago, I launched a part of Membership Care in our church. It was composed of a dozen or so people who would either call or visit an assigned person as part of a lay visitation ministry. These people either stepped up to volunteer their time or were people that Pastor Gary or Pastor Brian knew had difficulty attending church on a regular basis. Um, I believe some great relationships were formed in this ministry. And if you are interested in being a part of this lay visitation ministry, please speak to either Pastor Brian, Pastor Gary, or myself about that, and we would be happy to set you up um, with somebody. Um, and um, if you know of somebody who might need visitation, also let us know about that. Um, at this point, I would also like to start another phase of membership care, and that is one where um, I would like to take an intentional look at church attendance. And if we notice that someone who is a regular church attendee has not been able to attend church for a period of time, we have somebody from our congregation reach out to them, give them a call, let them know that they've been missed. And if you are interested in being a part of that ministry, um, please feel free to let either Pastor Gary, Pastor Brian, or myself know and we would um, look forward to developing our fellowship here at the church and also developing your relationship with the Lord as we be are working um, in, in his name. And the key benefit is that we are an extra set of hands to Pastor Gary and Pastor Brian as they carry out the ministry of, their, of this church. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you. And now may we be called to worship by our Sunshine Singers. We
3: are the Sunshine Singers. Our first song is the Lord is Great.
0: you sunshine singers and all you other sunday singers will you all stand as we join together in our hymn of celebration number 173 christ whose glory fills the skies
4: from above to pray for peace and cling to love and teach me only to receive the song
5: Now we'd like to take a moment to share uh, with the loving, giving kindness of the people that volunteer behind the scenes of our church. So I would like to ask Vinia and Johanna to come forward, please.
6: Good morning. Okay. I'm Vinia Pavlat. I'm the business manager here at the church, and this is Joanna Longo, and she is our program secretary. And this morning, um, on behalf of Joanna and the rest of the staff we would like to recognize the amazing group of individuals that help us run the church and maintain the church property. Some of our volunteers have regular weekly half-day schedules. Others share schedules for tidying the sanctuary pews and the pew racks. And others have the very important task of counting the weekly offering. We also have our on-call volunteers and they're volunteers that do maintenance and repairs around the property as needed volunteers make the business side of running this church more efficient and cost-effective. In your bulletin, you will find an insert with the names of all our office volunteers. On behalf of the staff and the congregation, thank you for your hard work and dedication. Please join me in a round of applause for our volunteers.
2: also be hosting a luncheon for the volunteers as a thank you. We're going to be having it in the spring, so we'll get more information about that when it gets a little closer. And if anyone out there is interested in volunteering in the office or in one of these positions, we would love to hear from you. So just let Binia or myself know. Thank you very much.
5: As we come to our time of prayer, would you please open your hymnal to 394. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you with our heads humbly bowed. We are grateful for all life's precious moments, the celebrations of life, anniversaries, birthdays, the opportunity to share in community and fellowship with friends and family. And at the same time, we take comfort and confidence in knowing that you are the great healer, Comforter protector and that no matter where we are in this path in this journey that we are not traveling it alone That you are always with us So as we take but a brief moment out of this busy busy world we come before you Experiencing your presence amongst us within your church Thank you, God. As we know, you know our hearts, and you hear our prayers. And for that, we know we always have the hope through your son, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, even as we say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And now would the ushers please come forward for our gifts, tithes and offerings. Gracious Heavenly Father, please accept these, our gifts, tithes, and offering. Multiply them, bless them for work within this community and throughout the world. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen.
0: Listen and receive a reading from the Word of God. Create in us a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within us, according to your grace and mercy. And may we affirm our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear the Scripture from Matthew 28, 18 through 20, and Luke 4, 18 through 19. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. And the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is God's word to God's people. Thanks, Thanks be on Christ. to God.
5: Let us pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for the reading of your word. We ask now that the word become more than words spoken or words heard, but words that find their way deep into our souls and through us become the living word, just as your son Jesus Christ was the living God and through whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'd like to take just a brief moment and update you on my journey. You might notice my voice is a little raspy and if I cough, I apologize in advance, um, but you know I am a high school football coach. Uh, And this past Friday, all glory to God and the authority he's given over these 120 young men to me. Uh, We defeated Granada Hills, which meant we ran undefeated through the whole uh, West Valley United League and since 1980 became league champions. So glory to God. I'd like to thank the athletes and the coaches and staff and family that come out and share the word of God with us. I'd also like to thank all of you that came and supported us when we were right in your backyard here at Agura. So uh, for the first time ever this coming Thursday, we host a division one playoff game against Hamilton and I'll keep you posted on that front. <laughs> the other exciting front is obviously I'm before you. Um, this component is one of seven Uh, I have about two-thirds of the novel (laughs) written that they require. Um, That'll all be submitted by December 1st, and hopefully if those responses are approved, I'll appear before the board next spring. But truly, I must thank you, because without your love and your support and your encouragement and your prayers, I would not be where I'm at, and I certainly wouldn't have the courage to continue to be obedient to God's wishes for my life. So thank you so very much. This morning, I'm going to share with you a very, very condensed version of the presentation I shared at the men's weekend retreat last April. I have since met with them several times again, revisiting it, as well as with your church council, where they suggested that I share this message with you. So if all goes as planned, we should be done by three. (laughs) It is a topic that I'm very passionate about and get very excited about. So if I get going too fast or too loud, just wave your arms and we'll just call it. Um, But I believe this is an excellent time and opportunity for us to begin to reflect and discern and dialogue in the hopes of finding the answer to this question. What do you believe is the purpose of our church in the 21st century? So I'm going to ask you to just carry that in the back of your mind as we travel through this sermon of five hours. (laughs) Delivering love and hope is exactly what I believe is needed in order that the 21st century church might begin to return to being the church that God has called us to be. I believe that the church should step back and perhaps... Reevaluate its role in this world, particularly our inward focus, which I believe has caused us to become somewhat stale and perhaps ineffective in being the church that God has called us to be. We are United Methodists. So when William Abrams writes, God is at work saving the world, God is going to accomplish God's purposes, that is certain. The only interesting question is whether God will find the United Methodist Church a suitable instrument to use in this activity, or will God give up on us and find someone else to use? Does that cause anyone else to twinge just a little bit? Concern? So I would like to suggest perhaps we return to our humble beginnings with a focus of going on out into the world, loving and caring for those in the world, while earning the right to be heard and sharing the good news of Christ. I believe this would align our efforts with God's purpose to bring the love of Christ to all, ultimately restoring the broken relationships. But I have to ask you this. Do you believe it's possible that we have distanced ourselves from the latter part of Jesus' great commandment. Think about what that commandment is. Because I believe we do a pretty good job with the first part of that, and that is to love God with all of your heart, mind, and soul. But how about the second part of that commandment? To love one another as you love yourself. And this is the part of the commandment that is the foundation behind being a missional-minded church. And so in order to see where we're going, we have to realize where we are. And I think a good place to start with that is to realize and accept the fact that the culture around us has changed. Ministry Magazine writes, The culture is in a constant state of flux. And our method of communicating eternal truth must be adopted to each new generation or we risk irrelevance and obsolescence. Douglas Powell writes, and this change, this, the, the objective of this is not to force this kind of change, but rather it is to be transformed in such a way that individuals can truly see it is the work of God. And I believe that if the change inside the church is not equal to or greater than the change outside of the walls, irrelevance is inevitable. The president of Fuller Seminary, Mark Laberton, writes, when the church fails to remember its identity and to practice it in ways that land in the context of the real world, which is the primary means God has chosen to bear witness to God's love, mercy, and justice, it becomes confused and stifled. So I believe we, we are the saints, we are the saints that Paul spoke of, need to be reminded so that we can reclaim our identity as true followers of Jesus Christ, because we are the church. And it is us through the grace and means of transformation that we can create a church that is visibly different. McNeil writes, Are we living what we're talking about? And you've heard me say this many times before. Do we have the stink of Jesus on us? you got to love that. Come on. (laughs) Are we really the flavor-changing salt? You see, because sadly... I believe one of the most significant ways in which the church fails to be the church is when it becomes a club for the benefit of its own members. William Temple wrote, The church is the only society in the world which exists for the sake of those who are not members of it. That brings us right back to the importance of living out our faith, as I believe... The followers of Jesus Christ, if we consistently would live life in ways that demonstrate the love of God and the blessings of the grace and the mercy, then others will take notice and initiate a dialogue as to why we have the hope that we have. It begins with us. Ephesians 4, 11 through 12 reads, The gifts he gave were some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. In other words, people participating as the people of God in God's actions in the world. McNeil writes, the people of God play an important role in the mission of God. God created people to be his partner in his redemptive mission. And in that exchange, God initiates a covenantal relationship, meaning that the people of God have responsibilities to be the people of God. Don't be alarmed. God doesn't call the equipped. Rather, God equips the called. And so in this understanding Hopefully, we can sit back and look at making, taking the direction of making this church relevant with the ultimate goal of making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Our own United Methodist Book of Discipline says, that's a fun read, you ought to give that a shot. Um, we make disciples as we... sorry. Proclaim the gospel. Seek, welcome, and gather persons into the body of Christ. Lead persons to commit their lives to God through baptism and the profession of faith in Jesus Christ. Nurture persons in Christian living through worship, the sacraments, spiritual disciplines, and other means of grace, such as Wesley's Christian conferencing. Send persons into the world to live lovingly and justly as servants of Christ by healing the sick, feeding the hungry, caring for the stranger, freeing the oppressed, and working to develop social structures that are consistent with the gospel. And lastly, to continue to mission the seeking, welcoming, and gathering persons into the community of the body of Christ. With the ultimate motivation as a church being to Bring glory to God and to participate in God's purpose. God's purpose. And hopefully that invigorates and engages members so that we have members working it, not just ones that show up once in a while. And in doing so, imagine what that might look like. That would actually allow us step back and take the opportunity to reevaluate what we define as success for our church this different-looking church is actually simply a loving community for others where we support comfort encourage love and offer hope as these are the behaviors that become the foundation of a loving community with the deepest desires revolving around community and companionship. Jesus knew about this need and fulfilled it when he said to his disciples, I will be with you always. As community leads to companionship, which is the most precious thing we can offer another person because it can only be bought with something that everyone seems to be so short of today time and that same community also holds us accountable our words and our deeds making sure we're not just talking it's a community that offers elements of grace and truth Paul taught the Ephesians that when he wrote, But speaking the truth in love, we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ himself. And when we incorporate that and choose to live life like that and love people or relate to people, we become an incredible, comforting, loving, living example and resource for them. Sider writes, but the space that the gospel writers devote to the stories of healing tells us that God's incarnate had a high view of the importance of meeting people's physical needs. Furthermore, the texts often point out that Jesus ministered because he had compassion on hurting people. He did not perform acts of healing simply to entice people to hear his message. So with Jesus as that example, our example, the church must combine word and deed out of compassionate love for the world. The presence of this loving, witnessing community should give us all the strength for us to be able to love and minister to those outside these walls. It's an environment of grace where people are encouraged to live out the purpose and the path God has called them to travel and the encouragement and the support so that they may remain obedient to that call. Malcolm Gladwell, in summarizing the beliefs of John Wesley, said, if you want to bring fundamental change to people's lives and behavior, a change that will, be, will persist and influence others, you need to create a community around them where these new beliefs can be practiced, expressed, and nurtured. Relationships. McNeil writes, developing people requires building relationships, not just delivering a product or a service. Simply put, the church in North America has focused on developing programs, not developing people. And so as we heard early, the United Methodist mission is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Diedrich Bonhoeffer wrote, Christianity without discipleship is always Christianity without Christ. And that scary word, discipleship, I believe, is simply believing what Jesus believed, living the way Jesus lived, loving the way Jesus loved, ministering the way Jesus ministered, and leading the way he led. And all of those are rolled up into our scripture today, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you and remember I am with you always till the end of the age so simply put I believe to move the church in the direction of being mission-minded starts with, we must be willing to believe God's mission is the purpose of our church. And this should lead us into the direction of looking outside of the walls with a greater focus, urgency, and with unparalleled acts of compassion. Churches ought to be the outposts of the kingdom like a a distribution hub where individuals are being sent out into the world doing the work of God while others return for spiritual replenishment and for the healing of wounds. And that causes us to change and recognize our focus difference from an internal one where preaching and teaching basically targets believers to a missional one where our truth and our call is to those in community, where our acts of service and love will enable us to engage with the culture that is void of the good news of Jesus Christ. And for many of us, that means we have to leave our comfort zone. I should have thought of this, but Powell wrote, we cannot think we have built it and they will come. The new mindset has to be We must go out and find them. In a church-focused world, the model has it as our responsibility is to bring people into the pews. A missional model approach looks to deliver the gospel into people's lives right where they're at. This way of seeing church, McNeil writes, moves it past its institutional moorings and reengages its movement beginnings. We were a movement, the Methodists. We have been called out to be sent in there into the world. Our there is what the world needs. Potter writes, the God of the Bible is a missionary God, a God who sins. He reminds us that God sent Abraham and Sarah, as well as Moses and Miriam. God sent Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and he sent the apostles through the power of the Son and the Spirit. Scriptures support that. Isaiah, Matthew, Luke, John, we can go on, but the one I'll share with you is from Acts 1, 8, which reads, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So I believe our role is simple. To bless the world by participating in God's mission. And by doing so, the people of God reveal God's heart for the world. Love and hope. We've inherited a blessing. We must share that blessing. McNeil writes, we are free to bless everyone and we are responsible for blessing everyone with the understanding that we are not ministering to them, but we are ministering amongst them as the missional community serves all people with an attitude as though they were serving Jesus all through the Bible narrative, it's illuminated for us that we are to share the love of Christ. How we are to live in community. How we are to love one another. And what that future kingdom looks like. It calls us to action. So we do need to respond. We need to go into the streets, the cafes, the malls, and I'll say it, the pubs the margins, to join them, support them, serve them, love them, and listen to the needs they have with a clear understanding that we are not bringing God to them. Rather, we are participating in what God is already doing there. One foot in, one foot out. Because if we want people to come into the kingdom of God, we should be giving them the opportunity to experience a deep, loving relationship so they can begin to sense what the future kingdom is like. (laughs) And I'll wrap it up with these bullet points because I'm long-winded. No one argued. (laughs) From the Friends of Mission organization. This is being filmed, people. From services to service, not just how many attend our services, but how many our church serves. From uniformity to diversity, not simply connecting with our culture, but rather how we are engaging with all cultures. From seating to sending, not how many people attend our ministry, but rather how many people we've equipped for ministry from attractional to incarnational, not how many ministries we start, but rather how many ministries we help. And lastly, a critical, crucial element is a scary word, evangelism. But I'll share with you the best definition of that scary word, evangelism, I've ever heard. It's from Scott Jones, where he wrote evangelism. Construing it is as a set of loving Intentional activities governed by the goal of initiating persons into Christian discipleship in response to the reign of God. So I'll break that down, what that said to me. Loving and intentional initiating persons. That's our job. That's our role. That's not so scary. Response to the reign of God? That's God's job. John Wesley was thought to be deranged when he left his comfortable pulpit and the financial support of the state to become a street preacher and shake up the social norms of his day. His crazy actions and ideas gave way to a new movement, one that touched all sectors of society. And I believe now would be an awesome time to revisit those Wesleyan roots, perhaps bringing them to the forefront of our church, so that we can discover all the great things God's, all the great things God is doing in the world, and giving us the opportunity to deliver love and hope to all God's people. Let us pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for this opportunity to come together and worship you. I ask now that you bless each one of us with the wisdom and the discernment to recognize the call and the path of travel for which you desire it is we travel. And then through the work of the Holy Spirit, the encouragement and the courage to act on that call and travel that path. And may we be reminded in all that we do, that it is in your glory and for your glory. To your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. All right. (laughs) Would you please stand for our hymn of dedication, number 236, to be found in the black hymnal.
0: gather hand in hand together, we do so as this church, empowered by the Spirit and blessed by God, we receive now the choral blessing and the benediction. Jesus Christ. Amen.